Welcome to our newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians Podcast. And today, our title is actually, Are Hospitals in Lebanon Prepared for a Mass Casualty Event? And uh, my guest today is a good friend of mine who I've worked with in the past, Dr. Mariana Hello, who is currently the Chief of ER Medicine at uh, LAU Medical Center uh, Rizal Hospital in Ashrafiya, Beirut. Dr. Hello finished her uh, medical school at the okay. Université Saint-Joseph, I guess, I don't know, with my French. And then she did her uh, ER medicine uh, in France. And uh, afterwards, she completed a, a fellowship in disaster medicine in Italy in uh, 2019. And she has been involved in a number of disaster events that have happened in Lebanon in the uh, recent past. Uh, welcome, Marianne, to the podcast. Uh, hello, Khalil. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, it's a pleasure, a pleasure to see you and a pleasure to do this uh, podcast. So I'm going to start with that bad day, uh, August 4th, 2020, the Beirut port explosion day. And I know I was still there at the time. And uh, yeah. explosion happened. It was a huge mass casualty event. I remember the ER being filled with, with patients, uh, uh, some some big trauma, some small trauma and stuff like that. How ready were we for such an event when it happened at that time? It's a bad thing to remember that day I was on duty. In fact, we thought that we were prepared. We had uh, written our emergency preparedness plan. We had revived the plan at many times, but we never expected that we might have such a disaster. It was really beyond our capacity and it was beyond any emergency plan. After that day, we, we knew that we were not prepared. A lot of things in the plan failed. The number of casualties that we received were much higher than the number expected in our plan and I think in any plan in any hospital elsewhere. We, we saw around 400 people on that night. Most of them came the first hour or two hours. So 400 in an hour or two hours for an emergency with 12 beds. I think it's, it is a disaster. Yes, exactly. And I, and I remember the patients at the time came, some of them had small cuts that needed to be attended to, but a lot of others had more severe trauma. So people had to uh, sh shift and see who to take care of uh, first uh, at that time. And then I remember the other part was, which was we're not prepared to, was the, the patients were numbered. And so the CT scans were numbered at the time. So we couldn't, uh, it was hard to figure out which patient uh, is for which scan. So what do you think was done right at that time? Or what do you think was done wrong or could have been improved upon since that time? Yeah. In fact, we faced a lot of challenges. And um, I, I wrote um, uh, many articles about this because, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes. So the challenges we faced uh, were the things that we work on uh, to update in the plan. Uh, what we did well, um, maybe the only thing that uh, we did well is that because we had a small emergency, uh, we used all the hospital space for the patients because, you know, the patients, the 400 patients could not accommodate in the emergency uh, and not even in the parking of the emergency. And so we used the other areas. We transferred patients to be seen in the clinics. We opened the door in, in all the hospital clinics and the patients, the green patients, I mean, the, the, the patients tagged green, uh, which are the patients a um, little bit injured. They were seen in, in areas outside the emergency. And we kept the emergency only for the patients that were really sick, that were triage dread. I mean, that needed immediate care. 
Right. And this is one thing we did well to, to help us just to triage the patient. The other the other challenges were too many challenges. So first, we had no crowd control. Uh, all the people and the families and the, um, we couldn't recognize who's the patient, who's the family, who's visiting someone, who's looking for someone. So everyone went inside the emergency and it was a chaos inside. A second communication, we could not communicate between us. I was not able just to know whose surgeon arrived to the operation room and I couldn't uh, contact anyone to know who's there. I couldn't know who's in the radiology reading the, the x-rays, reading the CT scans. So communication failed. And of course, we had problem with triage because uh, a lot of patients arrived immediately after the blast and most of them entered the emergency and we were not able to do adequate triage because they were all inside. And so usually better to do it outside just, you know, to, to just to split the patients into urgent, not urgent. Uh, we couldn't do this neither. So these are the main challenges that we faced. And the last challenge was the patient identification. Uh, many patients came. Uh, we couldn't register them. We didn't have time. There was no one to take their ID. And many of them came, they were treated, they left, and they came to for follow-up after three or four days. And we find out that they came to the emergency, they were treated, and no one asked them their name or the identification papers. And uh, this is why we, we, we think that maybe we received more than 400 of, of people because many of them came and left and were not uh, registered. Yeah, they were not recorded uh, that they came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so basically, after this, I saw that you've been involved significantly in in disaster medicine. You've published, as you said, you published quite a bit uh, on the topic, and you have been uh, involved yeah. in uh, multiple conferences in uh, in the Mediterranean area and Europe mm -hmm. uh, regarding the topic. So, can you describe your involvement and uh, and can you also comment on uh, like how the European societies and and countries are interested in this topic? Yes. In fact, I um, I did a subspecialty in disaster medicine. I graduated in 2019. It's the EMDM, the European Master in Disaster Medicine. Uh, it's in Italy, in Novara, small city. Nice city. Yeah, it's a nice, nice, nice small city. Yeah. Uh, so uh, after I graduated, you know, I was thinking, I mean, uh, I like this um, subspecialty, but I don't know how I'm going to use it. And then August 4 came. Um, it's, it's not good to say that, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, I found something useful in what happened for, for our emergency plan at the hospital, but also for myself, because uh, a lot of uh, uh, European societies uh, were involved in this and were surprised about what happened. And for them, you know, it was a huge thing because... When you talk about disaster, a disaster can be a, a small uh, blast with, for example, 10 or 15 people injured. You know, a lot of uh, terror attacks happened in Europe lately. And most of them were uh, 10 or 20 people or, or maybe maximum 50 people were injured. But um, no one expected that you might have such a disaster with uh, over the country, around 6,000 people injured with 200 deaths. So it was a huge and a massive disaster. And this is why they were all interested about really what happened on that day and how, how we could manage. We, you, you, we, we do not forget that we're a small uh, country with a lot of hospitals not prepared. 
maybe staff also not adequately prepared. And so they were interested about how really we could manage uh, with these casualties. And this is why I was invited just to speak about uh, uh, the BLAST. Uh, I did many webinars. Uh, I presented this also at the USM Congress and uh, the year after at the also iPhone Congress, there were international congresses about emergency and disaster. I had to speak about this. And also this made me work more with the uh, disaster, uh, with my university, with the uh, master in disaster medicine. So I now I go, I teach with them. I'm a faculty with them. And so I just do, uh, of course, I present about what happened in August 4. Sometimes we do like um, tabletop exercise about the, the blast, uh, you know, like uh, all the casualties coming and you have a small emergency and how would you deal with all this? Also, I am uh, now I'm, I am a mass casualty management trainer with the WHO. So it's a certificate from the WHO Academy. I also train the hospitals uh, for this. And so, you know, you you just, uh, you start with a little and then you you expand little by little. Uh, and and, yeah. and do you think the do you think the Ukraine war war had an impact also on like uh, the interest in Europe and in, in, in this topic, or it was all the terrorist attacks that were happening before? Uh, you mean if uh, if the European were interested? With no, I mean, this I mean I know, yeah, I know. I think they're, they're interested in the topic and in disaster medicine, but their interest has it has it increased also due to the Ukraine war. That's what I was asking. Yes, because you know you have. A disaster and then it's uh, you know they, they forget about it and then you have the other disaster coming they forget about it they don't forget because you know another disaster is also coming and then they just remember you're you're having a disaster after a disaster we had the COVID pandemic everyone was interested then we had the August 4th the blast and and after the Ukraine war um, and of course we had a lot of floods and uh, uh, and the earthquake in Turkey, uh, you know, a lot of things happening after. And uh, when any any disaster that happens, uh, they just remember the old thing that also happened, and they were just need to talk about it again. So, right, 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 right. And so, Le Lebanon has passed through. I mean, with August four, but then there's been periods of instability, and and now more recently. There's been the war uh, in the south uh, with some bombings and stuff like that. And there's been a lot of discussion about are the hospitals in Lebanon prepared for this or not? And I know you've done some work at LAU for preparedness. So one, I'm going to ask you first about LAU and then we'll ask about the other hospitals in Lebanon. So do you think LAU right now is prepared for a mass casualty event or a disaster event if, if it happens? But we're all hoping it's not going to happen, but it's. But just are are we prepared for this? Or are yeah, you? I I do think and I hope that we are really prepared. I mean, we work a lot on our emergency plan, a lot of meetings, a lot of work just to make it really nothing is perfect, but you know, we just make it the best we can with the knowledge that we have. Of course, now that what I can say is that of course now we are ready for any disaster better than in 2020 when the uh, uh, August 4 uh, the blast happened so we're now really much better prepared and uh, the good thing is that we conducted a drill and uh, writing the plan is not enough 
the drill is a good thing because you do the drill, you just, you know, uh, how how you do if anything happened. And uh, this is a good idea because we're doing also another drill uh, planned in February. So we, we will be, we will keep conducting drills uh, to make sure we're, we're ready. I think we are ready, yes. We hope nothing will happen, but we are ready. Yeah, and, and you have, and obviously you have the equipment and everything available in case of such an event. Yeah, we prepared. We have all the equipment ready uh, in small boxes, uh, ready in the store, in the pharmacy and in the store. Uh, whether anything happens, they are just, they come immediately to the emergency or to the area for the other patients. And and such events obviously require like collaboration between the different uh, emergency departments in, let's say Beirut and maybe in in the other areas of Lebanon. So is there is there any collaboration happening right now? And how what's the involvement of the Ministry of Public Health and 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 any- yeah the okay the the ministry uh, is working on training the hospitals. Uh, lately, they started to do a lot of trainings. They are training the emergency staff. They are training the doctors. Uh, they are collaborating also with the WHO to do the training that uh, I was talking about, the mass casualty management training. So they are trying to do uh, the maximum they can. Also, they are training the, the people working in the emergency for the white phosphorus because, you know, now with the bombing, uh, what they are using in the south. So they are just uh, training the uh, the emergency team uh, on how to deal the clinical management of the uh, casualties that we might receive. This is a good thing that they are doing now. But the main the main problem is the communication. We do not have a plan or a um, or a checklist for all the hospitals to make sure they are all ready. Each hospital is working on its own to do its own plan and to train its own staff. This needs to be worked on. Yes, basically what you're saying is that each hospital is doing their own plan, uh, which may not necessarily be the same plan that another hospital has. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's not like- Which also may not be adequate or may not follow the guidelines or, but, this is what should be worked on better for the future. Right. Because because what you're also alluding to, I think, is communication. Because if the ER start getting filled with patients, you need, like you need to you need a system to know, let's say this ER is completely full right now. We need to take the ambulance or take the patients to the next ER to another closer closer trauma center. This is what happened, the problem. This is what happened in August 4, and this is what's right. gonna keep happening. If you do not have communication, you will have patients in one of the hospital that you cannot transfer. For example, uh, two of major hospitals in Beirut were destroyed in Oxford, but we we, we didn't have adequate, uh, you know, like affiliation or communication to be able to transfer their own patients to the other hospitals. Uh, And uh, this should be worked on. Uh, If you have a disaster, if I receive, for example, uh, at my uh, hospital, 500 casualties, but the hospital uh, beside me uh, received uh, maybe 50 casualties. Uh, There's no way of communication uh, just to let them know so I can transfer from my hospital to them maybe 200 patients just to help. Right, exactly. And that that's a big issue. And that's probably something that, that maybe the hospitals would need to work on or the ministry, I guess, would need to work on to, to have a system 
Okay. Yeah, maybe at the next stage, the ministry could uh, let the hospitals collaborate uh, among others for for this. And are, are, this are... is this is a part of the national plan, no? Because uh, each hospital uh, does its own uh, preparedness plan. Uh, the hospital plan, but then you will have the district plan, then you will have the national plan, and this is what's the national plan. Okay, so this, I guess this is being worked on, but it's not reached fruition yet, right? I think it is worked on. You think yeah. so? <laughs> no, I mean, they are working on the national plan, but yeah. I'm not sure if the, the, the part related to the, you know, communication among the hospitals right. uh, is really... Uh, a key point that they are now discussing, maybe in the future. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm and I'm sure there's there's a also society for for emergency room physicians in Lebanon, right? Yes, we have the Lebanese Society of Emergency uh, Physicians. Basically, they're probably discussing this issue too, right? Yes, uh, they are discussing. But as I told you, since even if I discuss it with all the emergency physicians among the country, if there is no rule for all the hospitals uh, within the ministry or within a higher uh, authority, um, nothing would change. Right. And are you like in your role, I guess, because you're advising different hospitals now on disaster preparedness. So are they are these hospitals in Lebanon or hospitals outside Lebanon or both? Soon we will be conducting a training for the whole Beirut. I hope we will keep doing it here in Lebanon because I would like to help in my country. I mean, uh, right. uh, even if the training I did it uh, outside and I am able not to train uh, in Europe, uh, but uh, of course I would be more beneficial for for my uh, country to to do it here in right. Lebanon. Right. So yeah. So a couple more questions for you. One is, uh, do you think the hospitals in the peripheries, let's say the hospitals in the south or uh, other smaller areas of Lebanon, are they are they prepared for mass casualties? Uh, I mean, I think they they might be prepared, but I am sure they are not prepared enough. Like um, you can always have a surprise if you do not, uh, you know, uh, test your plan, uh, revise your plan. Uh, it might fail. And it's not it's not something bad. Huh? I just say it. We we failed in many things on August four because the plan was not tested, and this is why we amended. So I think a lot of hospitals they do have their plan, but their plan might not be adequate for a disaster. Some of them maybe I don't know if they just. If they were lucky enough, uh, their plan might work. But uh, when you have a disaster, you don't know what you might expect. So we never know. Right, right. Yeah. So it, it seems from what I'm what I'm what I'm hearing from you is that you're you're doing training in disaster medicine. But currently, it's more in Europe than it is in Lebanon, and you would like it to increase in Lebanon. Am I correct? Yes. True. Uh, okay. And and do you think that will happen? So what's what's your, what's what are the plans for that? And do you think uh, you guys will be able to start doing more intensive trainings in Lebanon? What I think is that um, it would be it would be good to uh, train um, all the hospitals, uh, starting by the small hospitals. You know, the small hospitals in in the areas like in the south, in the north, and Bika, uh, outside Beirut, because uh, most of the ER physicians. They work in private hospitals and in Beirut. Little of them work 
outside. You know, like uh, I have some colleagues in the north, some colleagues in Bika, they are doing a very good job, but they might be alone because you will have one ER physician uh, and four other doctors helping them, but they are not ER physicians. And some of them can be, for example, studying, still studying as a medical and medical specialty. And so this is why everyone working in the emergency should be prepared and trained because uh, maybe the ER physician won't be in the emergency when something happens. Maybe the the fellow or the you know the the, the student, the resident, another person uh, will be on uh, on call uh, when the disaster strikes. Uh, this is why we need to prepare these small hospitals that are really far in the country, like in the borders, uh, starting by the south now because the problems are in the south, then to the north. And and finishing by Beirut. Yeah. But I think if you do the, the, the good thing in the training, you standardize, like, you know, when you train the same training for a lot of hospitals, the plans will be almost similar because a lot of hospitals will, will amend the plan to look similarly. And this will be good, you know, this is a good start. Yeah, because also, as, as, you, as you discussed too, it's not only the physicians who need to be trained, it's also the nurses, the respiratory therapists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole ER team. Yeah, the, the whole the ER trainees, team. The whole ER team needs to be trained. Yeah. And potentially the hospital too, because you need to be able to accept patients like afterwards into the hospital, like the intensive care unit and all this other stuff. And so, Mariana, what, what are your future plans, I guess? Now you're 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 becoming a star in, in Europe. So what, <laughs> what are your future plans? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> whatever comes uh, is good. Uh, it's not. I don't have plans. You know, I um, what I focus now is mainly on my uh, academic work. You know, because um, I work in university hospital, and my main focus is now training, helping students, thesis supervisor, uh, doing some research. So uh, mainly this part. Uh, I hope no disaster happens, so I I won't need to, to, to do the other part of the disaster medicine. Maybe <laughs> this for now. Yeah, so, so I think basically to summarize, I think what we discussed, it seems like hospitals are more prepared now in Lebanon than they were back in twenty uh, twenty. Yes, of course, because they are afraid that right. something happens, and because they saw what happened in August four, and they don't want to do the same mistake again, starting by us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so I think I think this this is a good thing. But the the thing that needs to be approved upon, uh, I think, soon is is communication between the hospitals to to help with the preparedness and help with potentially being able to send patients to the hospital that's the least busy during a disaster. This is the coordination center that should be worked on. But you know, we have we had the coordination center with the Lebanese Red Cross. Uh, but for example, on August 4, they, they didn't have time to coordinate. I mean, uh, all of them, they, they, they went to the, to the blast area and they were just transporting the, the injured to the fastest way possible to the nearest hospital. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't have time to, to coordinate, to see how many casualties in each hospital. And that's what happened. So, yep, I agree. All right, Mariana, thanks. Thank you for being on the podcast. It was great talking to you again. Uh, Thank you. And I guess maybe I'll see you soon in a couple of weeks in Lebanon. Hope so. (laughs) Nothing will happen. You can come. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you. It was good to see you. Thank you.